continuing a series, and our series is on Exodus. And the series of Exodus can go very, very long because every little detail counts in the story of Exodus. And tonight, today rather, I would like for us to consider the fact that there were decisions made at a time like COVID-19, possibly worse. No, definitely worse. Decisions that were made in the middle of a pandemic, an epidemic, a problem, time frame for God's people, and decisions that they never recovered from. And I don't want to make bad decisions during a time like this. I really don't. I want to be aware and learn from the lessons that have been explained in Scripture beforehand. Now, we, we studied last week about, remember, about the water, the land, and the sky. And God is the God of all. Even though the Egyptians had their gods of the land, gods of the water, gods of the sky, God Almighty in heaven, the one true God, Jehovah, came against those gods, remember? And every one of their gods were shown to be completely helpless because they are no god. <laughs> They're man-made figment of imagination is what they are. There is no god like my god. My god is greater than your god. Remember it was a little bit a little bit confrontational last Sunday. Y'all were wondering if I was going to be putting on boxing gloves or not because I was saying my god's greater than your god unless you serve the god of Moses. And the god of Moses proved himself through the plagues. All 10 plagues had a point to be made. And we're not going to recover that ground, but if you, if you move into the remainder of that story and you continue into where, what happened after the plagues, they departed and they went through the Red Sea and into a wilderness experience. That's the pandemic I'm talking about. Pan means everybody all together. Demic means people. So all together, people were all suffering and facing the same scenario. Very similar to where we are in our world today. Now, let's read 1 Corinthians 10 in the full scope of the scripture, the whole passage, verses 1 through 12. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant, is what the King James says, but the word unaware is extremely powerful because it's possible for us to go through life unaware. But he says, I don't want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the Red Sea, right? They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And you would think that, my goodness, they would have been a powerful, very spiritually minded group because watch this, all ate the sp same spiritual food. They all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank that spiritual, of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Isn't it good to know that the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament? There was no change in Godhead. He's the same God who's with us today in the Holy Spirit. Praise God. And today we have the same scenario, like I'm saying. We have the ability in the middle of a pandemic to drink from a spiritual rock. That rock was Christ. Now that's a whole different story, a whole different message. But I want you to watch this next verse very carefully. Focus in. But with 
most of them. God was not well pleased. Most of them means at least 51%, right? That's a lot. That's a lot of people. If there were two million of them that departed, that's a million plus that God was not well pleased with. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now what happened to them? How can we make sure that we learn from the lessons they didn't learn so that we can please God? Does anybody here today who's with us want your life and your decisions, your relationships, everything in general about you? How many of you want it to please God? Would you raise your hand? And would you raise the other hand and say, God, I want to please you and help me to understand today Come on, balcony saints and online saints. Would y'all just pray with us, Lord? Make us a people who are not satisfied to be unaware. I want to please the Lord. God was not well pleased. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Carcasses left in the desert. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted and do not become idolaters as were some of them as it is written the people sat down to eat and rose up to play nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did and in one day 23,000 fell to their deaths. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain, as some of them complained, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Wow, are are y'all catching a little pattern here? God had a problem with these people after they left the Red Sea. Just because they're God's people didn't mean that they were going to be all hunky-dory and all's good and God's happy. No, no, no. There's a lot that God puts on their shoulders to prove their faith. Everybody say faith. faith. Even if you have a mask on, faith. What does faith sound like with a mask on? Faith. Well, it doesn't sound very good, does it? But we know what you said. Faith. All right. Now, he's continuing, the writer here, knowing what happened in the wilderness. He says, don't let us tempt Christ like they tempted him and they were destroyed. Nor complain. Oh, no. Verse number 10, does it say nor complain? Don't worry about that, right? I've never complained, right? Has anybody ever, anybody here today could say I've never complained once in my life. It's sort of like hardwired into our brains, isn't it? This water is just terrible this ice is just not cold enough what you know i got a fly in my soup right complain just enjoy it everybody's not getting the same fly (laughs) complain as some of them complain as and they were destroyed by the destroyer now all these things happen watch oh the oh my i almost just blasted through this verse this is so important Verse number 11. As a matter of fact, would you just muster the strength and, and, and loosen your vocal cords and let's say it together, all right? Now, all these things. What things? Well, don't make me read it again, okay? Because we already read it. Now, all these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition, warning, upon whom the ends of the ages have come Verse 12, therefore, 
Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. You look at, you look at all the plight of God's people in the wilderness and you go, that's so stupid. You know what? The moment you do that, you're stepping into their shoes. Don't you think you're okay? The whole thing is a mirror of what you and I will be like if we are unaware. I've got to join Brother Hammond, my dear friend, and take you to the message. For that verse we just read, verse number 11. Watch this. It says, now all, these are all warning markers. Danger in our history books written down so we don't repeat their mistakes. Our positions in the story are parallel. They at the beginning, we at the end, and we are, watch this, just as capable of messing it up as they were. Don't tell anybody. Shh. They were just as capable. We're, nobody's reading that because you're like, no, not me. <laughs> ain't me. I ain't talking about me. Yes, it is. Jesus loves you. I love our school hallway downstairs. You're not supposed to go down there because of COVID-19, but, but, but they got a whole display put, put up by Sister Monteith. It's so beautiful. It says, it says something about Jesus loves. What does it say? Huh? Who is essential? And there's little mirrors all over display. People, kids look in there and they see they're essential. Jesus loves you and you're essential. Right. Man, guys, I know we're in a pandemic and we're in a hurry, but man, just relax. Najee and Candace, I'm just now seeing you guys. I'm glad you're here. Man, our wonderful babies in Jesus and their own babies growing up. Yeah, that's, that's the way I act a lot of times. I'm just like, come on, pastor, get on with the message. The roast is about to burn. Once you try a roast restaurant sometime. All right, one more thing. I've got to make sure you understand. Your position, my position in the story is parallel to the 3,000-year-old story. They at the beginning, we at the end, and we are just as capable of messing it up as they were. So Paul says, the things from Scripture were given to us for examples, and the Bible is the ultimate history lesson to help us make sure we don't mess it up. Everything in your Bible counts. Everything in your Bible is critical and essential. All scripture is inspired by God, is useful to teach us what is true, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It is correcting us when we're wrong and teaching us to do what is right. That's your Bible. If anybody doesn't have a Bible, let us know. We will get you a Bible to have for your own personal reference. As a matter of fact, we love teaching Bible studies in this congregation throughout the week in the privacy of your own home or restaurant or whatever you may choose to do. We love studying God's Word. The truth is a powerful, powerful thing to teach, and we love the revelation of who Jesus is. Now, I would love to take the time to read to you all that happened in the wilderness, but you realize you would be completely numb on one end and dumb on the other end. If I did that, because it would take so long, you would be tuning me out. So what I've come up with is a simple little list to show you what happened in the wilderness. 
Here are the rebellions that happened in the wild. And these are possible. In fact, they're, <laughs> they're probable in a pandemic like we're living right now. And all of you families, especially those with babies, listen closely. Because these individuals in this generation failed to think about how this would look and how it would impact the next generation. Okay, here's what happened. At the Red Sea, it seemed like Pharaoh's party would destroy them, so they rebelled. At Merah, which was the next place they went, they found the, the bitter water, and they rebelled. In the desert of sin, as they were hungry, they rebelled. In the desert of sin, as they paid no attention to Moses, sin meaning Sinai, okay? That's a capital S. It's not really, we're ta not talking about sin as much as you would, uh, what we would normally think of sin as. It's a place, the desert of Sinai. As they paid no attention to Moses concerning the storing of manna until morning. They, they disobeyed that and rebelled. In the desert of Sinai, as they disregarded Moses considering, uh, concerning the gathering of the manna on the seventh day. They, they said, no, we don't need to do that. No, no, no. At Rephidim, they complained for water. At Mount Sinai, as Aaron led the people in making the golden calf, they, they rebelled and complained that they didn't know where Moses was. At, Tab at Tabera, where people raged against the Lord, they rebelled. At Kibroth, Hedavah, in the grumbling, they were like, we're so hungry for protein. Somebody send me some pepperoni. Gotta have some protein. Where's, where's the meat of Egypt? All right. Well, God said, okay, I'm going to give you some meat. And he sent them quail. And... Many of them ate until it killed them. <sighs> Kadesh in the desert of Paran, when the people refused to receive the good report of Joshua and Caleb, but rather wished themselves dead. When it was time to go into the promised land, that's the biggest and most famous rebellion of all. They said, no, we're going to believe the report of the democracy, the majority. 10 out of 12 can't be wrong. And 10 out of 12 were absolutely wrong. Only Joshua and Caleb were the two willing to say, we are able. But the rest of the people had already been rallied against God's blessing, his promise. They, they, were, they were more like, if we do this. And Joshua and Caleb were like, when we do this. It's no if about it. We're going to see God's work done. He will care for us. He will give us his promised land. And God was angry with them, if you remember. And then they couldn't go in, but they decided to rebel again and go in without God. Now you're like, what a bunch of people. <sighs> okay, what can we learn? In just a few moments, let me wrap this up. I have two slides. Well, actually, I think we had to convert it into four slides because they were full. But I want you to get ready with a device of photo taking and take a picture of the screens I'm about to show you because this is something I cannot take the time to go through in detail. But I would love for you to take it home with you and study it in your own, at your own convenience. From the now, here's what we're talking about. The, the aftermath of bad decisions made rashly is a pitiful picture of humanity. And that's what we're looking at. 
Once the dust settles from a series of uninformed, ill-advised, short-sighted attitudes and foregone conclusions, what will our lives look like? Much like these people, they lost their lives in the wilderness. Their babies had to grow up and lose 40 years of their lives and watch their parents die one by one as 40 years of judgment went by. 40 years in the wilderness was God's judgment. It was because each day they spent spying out the land. He said for each day they're going to spend a year staying in the wilderness. And it was 40 days of spying out the land, so 40 years in the wilderness. Almighty God said, no one above the age of 20 will go into the promised land because of your rebellion. And the children, a lot of times we like to think of the children as being those who were the spared and the lucky. But I want us to stop and think about that for a minute. Bad decisions made by their parents caused their children lots of pain and suffering. And of course, they had basically to enter into the promised land without the glory and the blessing of parents. Their parents making up their own mind, their own demise. What can we learn from this? Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 6. I want to tell you right now that children are absolutely urgent when it comes to considering our daily decisions. Maybe you don't even have children yet. Maybe you have children who are grown, but I'd like for you to join me right now and pray for and, and, and focus in on in this time of prayer as we conclude this service today for the Lord to help us to be those who are not just considering today, but we're thinking about the next generation. Watch Deuteronomy 6.3. It says, Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you. Oh, that's what I want. To be well that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you. A land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 4. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one. Everybody say, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And it's not just about you. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart and you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. In other words... Deuteronomy 6 is more than a one God scripture. And we love to quote it because it is talking about the identity of the one true God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. But can I just pause you for a moment and say it shows us what we just read. It tells us to take time to teach our children God's way and God's word. It tells us to get an early start and don't wait till they're older. It tells us to get intentional about what we're doing. And it tells us to be pervasive in their lives. Don't let moments go by that you had an opportunity to invest in their lives the things of God. But make sure when they rise up, when they go to bed, and throughout the day when you're walking by the way, that you're teaching, you're talking, and you're constantly bringing up scriptures and the truth of God's word. So, what went wrong in the desert? Will humans ever learn? George Bernard Shaw said, if history repeats itself and the unexpected always happens, how incapable must man be of learning from experience? 
Let us learn from the children in the wilderness. Let us not be those who go through the wild and make the same mistakes they, they made. Let's go through the wild and flip it over, turn it on its head, and be those who are gunning for, fighting for, believing for, and living for a future of faith. If the Lord tarries, if there's no rapture in the next few days, which we all hope and pray there is, and a lot of people are wondering, is this the end? Yes, call it the end. Because we live in the last days. But as I teach and preach constantly, we must plan for 40 or 50 years and live as though we only have this one hour. That can be divided up, it can. Let's plan, let's put our kids, let's invest in our children as though they will have many, many years planning for their lives to go forward and to be anointed and blessed by God. But let us be individuals who are living for the coming of the Lord at any moment. And if the rapture were to take place, praise be to God, and we thank Him, and we know He is coming soon. That's a whole message in itself, and I believe in the soon coming the imminency of the Lord's return. However, if we do not see the coming of the Lord as soon as we would all like, let's plan for a future of faith. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, let's plan for a future of faith. I'm making a decision today that my faith is going to be stamped on my life and it will be in the future. Now, let me show you from what I've already told you, I've already been through a lot of stuff, and I know it's just important for me to wrap it up now, but watch this. I want to show you on the screen 12 testimonies upon the arrival at a future of failure. Boy, it's awesome that we live in this day and age when we can look back and see, whoa, those are the things they did. We don't have to do them. Are you ready for this? Verse 6, number 1. I depended upon the visible, and I did not have faith in the invisible. That's what they said. That's the end of their lives. 40 years in the wilderness until they all died because they had a lack of faith. When things didn't please me, I longed for the past. That's what they wanted. This is how you can guarantee that you will arrive at a future of failure. Pay attention. When no one was there to make me live for God, I became an idolater. Wow. My pastor wasn't there to crack the whip over my head, so I just got this little idol. No, we've got to do it without having someone holding a gun to our head. Number four, I blame my leaders when things got tough. Number five, I made an issue of what I perceived as my leader's mistakes. And I always saw the bad side of things. Okay, we're only halfway through, but I want to show you. This is the testimony of those who arrive at a future of failure. A future of failure. Hey, smile everyone. Let's get ahead of them. 
Let's not repeat these stupid mistakes. Does that make sense? Are you ready for six more? Here we go. I always saw the bad side of things. Number six. Number seven. I didn't take God's word seriously. I expected success to always come easily. I made sure my leader knew when I wasn't happy. See, guys, brothers and sisters, in case you're missing it, we're talking about what happened that got the children of Israel damnation, condemned to die in the wilderness. They and Moses, constantly at odds, they filled with personal agendas, personal preferences, personal appetites. I expected success to come easily. I made sure my leader knew when I wasn't happy. I didn't have the guts to stand up for and speak out for God. Somebody needs to just go ahead and stomp the floor. I know you can't stomp it as loud as I can, but I'm glad today I can stomp the floor and say, you know what, I'm going to stand up for God. God is worth standing up for. He's greater than the gods of the Egyptians. I'm going to stand up for God. Thank God for Moses. Thank God for Caleb. And thank God for Joshua and those who were willing to take a stand for God. But most of them did not. I valued the familiar more than I treasured the future. God help us. They would rather have what was comfortable and familiar than to make decisions that would lose those familiar things in order to gain a future of faith. I don't know about you, but I'm going for a future of faith, not a future of failure. How about it? Anybody ready to make an investment with me right now on a, on a future of faith? God Almighty, we're standing on the rock. We're standing on the word of the Lord. We have your Bible. We have Genesis, the Revelation. Every bit of it is true, revealed, infallible word of God. And we're going to stand on it and we're going to treasure the future because of your word standing and showing us that the future has got to be understood as coming, whether we like it or not. And if there are things we need to release in order to say that was for then... This is for now, and it's all anchored in the Word of God. Folks, if the Word of God can back it up, we're going to preach it. And if we preach it, the Word of God can back it up. That's our church. That, that, that's got to be your church. God, I want to be a part of a church that can back up what we preach. And if I can't back it up, then I want to be able to, to say, maybe it was just something that is familiar that I need to release and treasure the future. And I preferred, last thing. I prefer earthly things over heavenly things. Because I can see those things. I can touch, taste, feel. I can experience those things. Heavenly things, not so much. Well, that's why we love being Pentecostal, apostolic, Holy Ghost-filled individuals because the Holy Ghost is a powerful, overwhelming experience if you will trust in the invisible. Now, that, that whole set of slides was the negative. I'm not going to leave you on that. All right? I'm a, we're going to move toward the positive now. And I want to show you what I believe a whole generation of Israel's people would have loved to have seen. <laughs> 
and they would have said, okay, if it means our children are going to be disheartened, our children are going to be lost, they're going to lose their parents in the wilderness, our children are going to end up paying a price for our own, our own stupid decisions, then I, show us what we need to do. Here it is. Here it is. If you want to arrive at a future of faith and look back and say, thank God. God, the faith that I have in my heart is truly keeping me and is truly giving me stability and has given me an eternal life with Almighty God. What do I need to do today? Here's what you need to do today. Number one, have faith in the invisible God. When you're standing at the end of your life, I hope you can turn around and look back over the landscape and say, I'm standing in a position of faith. You know why? Because I had faith in an invisible God. And number two, when things didn't please me, I prayed to God to help me grow by those things that didn't please me. Not to get disgruntled, upset, and run off, but for me to say, God, teach me, develop me, make me stronger and better as a result. When no one was there to make me live for God, I proved my character by living for him anyway. Reading his word anyway, praying anyway, singing to the top of my lungs his psalms anyway. When no one was there, I attended to my heart when things got tough. It's important for us to work on ourselves. It's important for us to work on our hearts. When things get tough, it's a time for us to look internally and not externally and say, God, make me what I ought to be to respond like you would have me respond. I openly supported and prayed for my leadership. Hallelujah. I practiced seeing both sides of things and I learned wisdom. I took God's word seriously. I didn't expect success. I just put Jesus first. Woo, come on somebody. I'll tell you what, Elder Hammond could testify to that right now. And his whole family and all those who were charter members of Calvary, we didn't expect God to bless us with four debt-free sanctuaries. But here we stand. Can I tell you why? Because we can look back over 64 years and say, hey, we didn't expect success, but we put Jesus first, and that's where we are in 2020. We're not expecting success. We expect to put Jesus top of the list, our highest priority, amen? Seeking first the kingdom of God. And I like number nine. I made sure my joy was showing. How many of you got a little too much cover over your joy today? We need to get some masks that have a nice big smile. That we need to let, guys, would you please remember, let's get some of those and hand those out next Sunday. I would like to look out at an audience, even if you're frowning, <laughs> that you'll have a great big toothy grin. Maybe some teeth missing. That's cool. Who cares, right? But I think, I think if everybody could be sitting here with a mask on and it's smiling, you'll probably get a whole lot better preaching out of me. I don't know. Hopefully that doesn't make a difference. God is good all the time. And I want you to know that my joy is not based on circumstances. My joy is based on this. And here's what my personal definition of joy is. The attitude of adequacy. The attitude of adequacy. How many of you got enough air to breathe right now? No. Well, just move your mask over away from your mouth for a second. Adequacy. How many of you are dying of thirst? How many of you are dying of starvation? God is good, isn't he? Adequacy. Sunlight. Friends. We're here together. 
Adequacy. Oh, Brother Hammond, you wouldn't believe. I'm ready for some protein. <laughs> Be careful next time you go to asking that kind of question. Joy. Is your joy showing? I believe joy should be bubbling over. Sometimes it's quiet with others, but, but that's okay. Either way, assurance of adequacy. It's a result of seeing God's power at work in our lives. Our God is a God of demonstration. How many of you could raise a hand and say that in the last few weeks you have a testimony of God doing something personally for you in your life? Would you just raise a hand and say, I've seen the hand of God. I have experienced Him. He is not dead. He's alive. He cares. He's working. He loves me. He loves you. Woo! We have every reason to be filled with joy. Amen? Praise God. Number 10, through his strength, I stood up and spoke out for God. I stood up and spoke in his behalf. I want to thank you men of God, women of God, who have told me over the last few months that you've taken messages from this pulpit and you've taken them to work with you. You've taken them home with you and you tell others about them to share the strength of God. And folks, we need to be God's people who are willing to say, I'm not going to be silent, ashamed. I'm not going to be backward and I'm not going to be bashful. Lord, when it comes to the things of God, I want to be able to speak up and say, hey, I have a God who can heal you of cancer because he's healed others of cancer. I have a God who can heal you of any disease because he's healed every disease. There is nothing too hard for my God. He can raise you from the dead. If you feel like talking to the dead, tell them that my God can raise you from the dead in Jesus' name. His will being our utmost priority. I value the future more than I treasure the familiar. And I, tre and I preferred. See, this is past tense. You see that? Past tense. You know what? I'm hoping to put words in everyone's mouth who's watching. Is it okay if I put these words in your mouth? These are words to secure a future filled with faith and not failure. In Jesus' name. Let's not make the mistakes of those in the wilderness. I want to prefer heavenly things over earthly things. I want to prefer God things over world things in Jesus' name. I want to prefer spiritual things over fleshly things. It's time for us to conclude. I want to invite our musicians up here as we look at Hebrews 3, verses 8 through 13. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. That's what it's talking about. The very scenario that I'm finishing preaching about right now, what, did, what happened to them? They hardened their hearts. Hebrews 3.8 says, don't do that. Do not harden your hearts. In the day of the trial of the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works for 40 years, therefore I was angry with that generation. And I said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Verse 12, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you. Oh, God. He said most of them. Most of them. We read that at the beginning, didn't we? Most of them, God was not well pleased. That's a pretty scary statistic. How many in this audience could God say, I am well pleased with you. You are pleasing me with your faith. Oh God, I want you to be pleased with my faith. He says, brethren, beware lest any in you be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Yeah. 
but exhort one another daily while it is called today. We're not in the future yet, but when we get there, I want it to be a future of faith for you, a future of faith for me, not a future of failure for anyone. In Jesus' name, today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Musicians can begin to play. 1 Peter 1, 7 through 9, our very last passage of Scripture. Would you join us and let's stand together in preparation for entering into the reception celebration for Bobby and Layla. So thankful for this precious new couple. Before we go there, I want you to, I want you to check this out. What, it was, what does this Scripture say? It says that the genuineness of your faith, whose faith is it talking about? My friends, no. My neighbor, no. Your faith. Could you join me and say, my faith? It's okay, put your hands like here and say, my faith. That the genuineness of my faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found. I want my faith to be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That means when I see him and he comes to me from heaven and is a resurrection time and we we are raptured to see him verse 8 whom having not seen you love though now you do not see him yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory receiving the end of your faith the salvation of your souls did you know you're not going to need faith for eternity You're only going to need faith until the end. Then your faith will end in an experience. It'll end in the salvation, the final salvation when you are glorified with Jesus Christ. Right now, folks, folks, your success is depending upon your faith. My success, and I'm not talking about physical, I'm talking about spiritual advancement and development. It depends on my faith. Let's close our eyes and picture ourselves standing at the end of our lives, looking back. Would you close your eyes and start a prayer that says, God, I want to be made in your image, and I want to be like you, and I want to be someone who has learned from the wilderness lessons what not to do. Lord, I want to be an individual who has faith in the invisible God. Oh, God, I want to be someone when things don't please me, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to grow. Lord, when no one's there to make me live for you, I want to prove my character and live for you anyway, God. Make it a prayer, church. Friends, family, and guests, it's time for us to conclude, but could I get you to join me in a prayer right now where you are? Let's pray together for God to attend to us and attend to our hearts, even though things may be difficult. Lord, let us keep you first and foremost. Let us practice seeing both sides of things learning wisdom, God. Oh, God, help us to take your word seriously. Take your word seriously. I will repent and I will be baptized in Jesus' name and I will be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is my desire. In Jesus' name, I have faith in the word of God. I will take your word seriously. Lord, your word is forever settled in heaven. Your word is established. Your word, Lord, will never be disappointing me. Lord, it will always be a firm foundation for me to stand on. I want to take your word seriously. What does his word say? His word says, 
we must repent and be baptized in Jesus' name. If you have not yet been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, you don't know what you're missing. The best is yet to come. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God, for the apostolic understanding of the first century experience of the Holy Ghost outpoured in our hearts. Everybody here today who has the Holy Ghost, I want you to go ahead and start making a joyful noise to the Lord right now as you are making decisions today that you are going to be so glad, so happy. You're going to be filled with great gratefulness at the end of your faith. When you look back over your life, you stand there because you made wise decisions. Oh, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.